there are so many strategies out there you know there you know there's flipping there's wholesaling there's right. you know airbnb you know chatting with somebody through dm there the other day about airbnb and kw and like some of the numbers and it's like welcome to the golden nuggets of real estate investing a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate We'll be discussing the most important lessons, or better known as the golden nuggets of real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on, everyone? It's Ross Nadai. I'm a real estate agent, an investor, and host of the Real Estate Golden Nuggets podcast. I have an amazing episode full of golden nuggets for you. If you like this podcast and gotten any value out of it, please share this far and wide to reach as many people as possible. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. Thank you so much for your support. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing. I have my special guest tonight, Mike Paquette. Mike is an investor from Cambridge, Ontario, and uh, he's joining me today. We're going to talk all about real estate investing, generally speaking about why he got into it and what his portfolio currently looks like. So without further ado, Mike, please go ahead and give us a little introduction about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Russ. Uh, truly blessed to be on this uh, podcast with you. So I appreciate it and uh, look forward to our conversations. But yeah, I'm... Uh, live in Cambridge and I invest in Kitchener. Um, I know we talked a little bit about it there. I think I bought my first rental property about 10 years ago, um, kind of got out of it for a little bit. And then uh, two years ago, really started focusing back on my real estate investing journey and really trying to kind of grow my portfolio as best as I can. Perfect. Perfect. So, so when you, when you mentioned you bought this 10 years ago, what, I guess, first of all, what did you buy and, and what happened why did you stop for 10 years? Like what changed in your life and what, how you got back into it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, at a very young age, like I started working a nine to five, right. And I was, I was living at home, you know, saving a lot of money. Um, and it was ultimate goal was to own my own house. So I bought my own primary residence. Uh, I think I would have been 22, 23 years old. Nice. Um, and you know, I kind of had that old school, uh, grew up that old school mentality of like you work and you pay down your mortgage. Um, like that right. was the main focus. Right. So I was like making double payments, putting every last penny I could towards it to pay this thing down. But what I quickly realized is that it was the power of, you know, real estate. Um, you know, I could see, you know, the mortgage pay down the, the appreciation on the house. Um, so, you know, then I decided like, Hey, maybe I should get in, you know, buy an investment property. So first property was just a turnkey, uh, you know, a single family home was a townhouse, um, literally had nothing to do, just kind of took the keys, put a tenant in, um, and it sat there for five years, just, uh, you know, doing, doing its thing. Right. But, right. um, yeah, mindset wise, I really wasn't there. Um, after four years, I'm like, well, this is taking too long. Like how do these people buy, you know, 50 properties and I can't figure out how to buy my second. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just, I got impatient. I wanted that, uh, you know, that get, get rich quick, almost, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of out of that property. So yeah, I ended up selling it, wanted to see that kind of big paycheck. And, but really I just, 
that kind of just killed the goose that lays the egg, right? That just kind of all stopped there. Um, but yeah, then about two years later, I just kind of started rethinking about, you know, why did I get out of it? Like, what could I, I have done differently? That's when I really realized like, hey, I got to start like networking and, you know, reaching out to other people to just because I didn't know what to do, right? I didn't yeah. know what the next step was. Like, right. I just kind of gave up. Like, I tried figuring it out all on my own. And I, you know, I finally figured out that that's, that's not the way to do it in this business. Like, you know, that, that network's really important. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, given the fact that you, you bought that 10 years ago, I'm sure it appreciated it quite a bit, right? So when you sold that property, you mentioned you got a big payout, right? Did you deploy that and buy like your primary residence? Is that kind of what happened? And then, and then you kind of stopped for a couple of years or were you deploying that money in other avenues? Yeah, we, we took that as the opportunity to kind of buy our forever home. Um, Right. So, you know, 14 years later, we're still in that house and, you know, we love it. You know, I I don't, I don't regret the decision. Um, So like, yeah, like even for then, right. Like just that one property alone was able to get me into, you know, what I consider my dream home. Right. Um, And, you know, we have no intentions of leaving. So that just goes to show, like you say it on your show, like you're only a couple of properties away from, you know, financial freedom. That's right. Um, Right. So you know, really just one investment property can be super powerful. Very Um, lucrative. Absolutely. Right. So, yeah. yeah, And that's kind of where eventually I kind of figured it out. And, you know, I I think maybe I just took a little longer. I think the sooner maybe, you know, you can figure that out, the better. Um, But it's never too late to kind of get back into it. Wish you could have bought, got into it 10 years ago, but best time to get into it is now, today. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then talk to me a little about the mindset shift, right? Because you did mention that earlier, right? So I guess, first of all, like what changed? Usually what people have an epiphany when it's when it's a, uh, some sort of event in their life, whether it's a job they want to get rid of or, you know, they have a family, growing family or whatever it may be. Like what was your epiphany and what is your why? Let's talk about that. Yeah, 100%. I remember that clear as day. It, uh, it was actually, it was my 40th birthday. Um, so maybe midlife crisis. I don't know if that's what it was, but (laughs) yeah, I just, uh, I finally took some time to really sit down and reflect kind of what I've accomplished so far in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, was I happy with it? I just told myself, like, I felt average. So I had this thing, like, um, I have it in my office, you know, up on the wall saying, uh, you are not average. So I had this thing that I just felt like an average guy. I'm just getting up, working my nine to five trading time for money. Right. Right. And when I really started thinking about it, I was like, like, I'm better than that. And, you know, I I don't want, I want to be able to show my kids that, you know, don't just go and get a job for the sake of money. Like Mm -hmm. try and find your passion um, regardless of what it is. And if you really enjoy what you're doing, you know, they, they say that, you know, the money's going to follow. And so I just, I really started thinking about, I'm like, you don't want, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I really got to give this a shot, go all in, you know, reach out to whoever I need. Like, cause what happened is I, you know, you know, a few people I started following, um, I just see them like they're, they're blowing up, like they're buying yeah. five properties, 10 properties, 20. And then I see a video and it's like, Hey, I just bought my 30th property. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing something wrong here. Right. right. Like, so I, I find, yeah, I finally realized like there's a way to do it and I don't know how to do it. So pick up that phone and start calling people, right? 
folks listening in is probably wondering, what is that? Like, how did you figure that out? What is that thing you had to do to now scale up and buy multiple properties? What was it for you? Was it the the mortgage <laughs> aspect that was holding you back, or was it just fear of the unknown? Like, you you felt you, you weren't you know educated enough to take a step forward. What was holding you back, and how did you manage and then scale from there? Yeah, I I think it was just not knowing, and so yeah, I. I'd never been to a networking event. So, you know, I finally decided to go to an event in London, uh, the Onria event. Right. Um, I walked into that not knowing anybody. Like, I'm pretty sure I was sweating like the whole time. And the first time they took like a networking break and everybody got up, like I froze. I didn't know what to do. But really when I I just kind of thought about it, I'm like, you know what? There's other people in the room that are in the same boat as I am. Exactly. Everybody out here is is here to network, get to know people, like collaborate. And I remember I, I just turned around and the first person I saw, I put my hand out. Hey, I'm Mike, how you doing? You know, where are you from? And then, you know, it just, you know, I quickly realized that the real estate community is, you know, they're willing to help. Like absolutely. over the last two years, I don't think I've reached out to anybody, um, no matter what level they're at and yeah. they're, and they're investing, um, you know, career, they're willing to answer questions. And, you know, it's, uh, so it's a very supportive community. And I think after that first event, I finally realized that, that, you you know, you can't do it on your own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I love that. And then then you mentioned that's a power networking, right? So that got you uh, thinking now, you know what, I need to make a move. And so where did you go from there? Right. So you went to Anria, um, you started networking and what, what was the next progression on your on your end? I'm definitely a buy and hold investor. Um, I'm in it for the long haul. You know, like like I like my job. Um, you know, if I could quit and do real estate, would I do it? Sure, hundred um, yeah. <laughs> percent. But you know, like for me, it's more of like a, a long term and trying to build that long term wealth. Um, but like in the market that I invest in, like Kitchener Waterloo and uh, Cambridge, uh, at the time it was becoming very difficult to cash flow with mm-hmm. these uh, single family homes. So yeah, the next step was like, Hey, I just, I, I gotta have a little bit of a buffer here. If there's any maintenance issues, like I want these properties to cash flow. Right. Um, and that's kind of when I just, I stumbled on uh, duplex conversions. Um, you know, I like the idea of, you know, taking a single family home, converting it to two units, you know, doing that forced appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I, I had to start reaching out to learn. Um, so that's what I did. I reached out to somebody local who was doing it, uh, very right. familiar with the whole process. Um, and I had the capital to be able to get into one and qualify for the mortgage and fund the whole renovation. Right. So I decided to partner with them. So, um, you know, I was, you know, not really the, yeah, I was, that was the passive partner, but I basically called them up. We uh, we joint ventured on that that property, but um, with the agreement that I wanted to learn the process, so I wanted to be involved as much as possible. Like, yeah, yeah. He kind of he steered the ship. He had the systems in place. He did it all, and but like I was there through the whole the whole thing, just kind of documenting, because the goal was to be able to start doing these conversions on my own. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. No, and that, that's one of the best ways to learn, right? Like you can read books and textbooks all day long, but taking action is the way to go. And one of the best ways is definitely either 
hiring a coach or better yet, go partner with somebody and learn from them. And I, so I love that you went there with that mindset to listen, like, sure, I'm losing. I, I'm not sure whatever the equity is that you guys agreed on, but I'm learning so much more than now I can just go on my own and, and build my portfolio, no problem, right? So now that things have shifted, right? So first of all, what does your portfolio look like right now, Mike? How many uh, properties are you at right now? Yeah, so right now we've got three three duplexes. Okay. Um, look, looking to continue doing more. Um, Perfect. So yeah, with yeah, with that once we did that first one, um, yeah. Again, just through like social media and networking, like somebody reached out and they were you know super interested in the whole conversion model. They liked mm-hmm. the idea and. You know, again, we just started talking and eventually, you know, we started partnering. We partnered on a on a second property. Nice, um, nice. You know, and that one was that was a 50-50. Um like uh so so I we went 50-50 financially. Right, right. Um, but I managed the renovation and took care of the whole process. But um again, it was, you know, I wanted to get into these and do these to try and build that credibility of you know, being able to show that I can actually do it. Um, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So that was, that was the second one. And then the third property, um, it was the same type of JV structure as I did on my first one where, you know, they came in with the, with the funds and I took care of the, of the project. Awesome. Awesome. So it's primarily, there's been a, a just duplex convergence for you looking for full multi or single family converting it. Right. So um, what are, I guess, the, the reasons why you stuck by where you live, right? Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo region, right? Why not look elsewhere? Because we've seen a huge price shift, right? Especially in those areas. Oh, geez. Yeah, you're telling me about it. <laughs> right? It's like, I'm sure you're feeling the pain, right? It's just like, yes, okay, sir. what now? Are you are you now considering looking at outskirts or other areas? Or what is attracting you to stay within your region and not look elsewhere? Let's put it that way. Yep. Um really just the fundamentals like uh, you know like even last year during like covid and you know everybody kind of got scared and was worried that uh you know they were going to get rent payment right uh, we never had an issue um and really just with uh like the diverse economy that we have here to me is huge like you know you've got the tech sector like you got google You've got all the schools, you know, two universities, uh, college, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, pretty big manufacturing sector. Um, so, yeah, I think that makes a big difference with uh, having that type of diverse economy. Um, sure. Where I really like just like that stable market like that, where I know that maybe I'm going to cash flow a little less. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not that I bank on appreciation. Um, but you know, like that's kind of the cherry on top is when you yeah. see, well, everybody's seeing it right now, the, you know, the huge uh, appreciation on the market right now, but yeah, you know, that's kind of been stable in the KW market for quite some time. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I uh, know it's a fantastic region. Um, I mean, like you said, there's universities two, not one, two, and you got the big tech giants in there and, uh, it's, it's grown phenomenally over the past year. I would say like Cambridge to me used to be a city like, oh, you're going to live in Cambridge, right? Now it's like, oh yeah, Cambridge. Price have gone up. And it, feel, it feels like it's 20 minutes away, not an hour away anymore from like from Toronto. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Everybody just kind of rippled and started moving further, further away. So they're willing to make that uh, further drive. I think the big shift is there 
is is because of you know working from home. I think a lot of people are now switching Absolutely. over, moving away from the city. Right, they need a bigger space. You need office space. Right, all of a sudden, two people are working from home. Right, so things like like that are driving the factor in those regions. But I get to my question. It's just I'm wondering. I mean, like, so you're you're pl- still planning on sticking there? Do you still see uh, you know cash flow feasible in in those regions? Are there still deals you you find or you're coming across? Yeah, it's it's definitely harder um, in this market. Um, yeah, there's a few of us in this region that are kind of doing conversions, and you know the cash flow is getting tighter. So we're we're looking at trying to do some off market. Um, some marketing, see if we can pick something up off market. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the ship for the time being would be to get into some flips. Um, just because we've got the, you know, we've got the contractors and the trades that have helped us with these conversions. Right. 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 So I, I think doing, yeah, doing a flip in this market, um, just kind of makes sense where again, if you can buy it at the right price, right. You know, right. you're going to sell, sell for top dollars. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, I'm not too worried. Like I still want to stick in the region, but I'm not going to just jump on something just for the sake of getting into something. Um, so, but we, we are focusing a little bit more on like my very first property, mm-hmm. um, you know, like refining, refinancing that to, you know, just kind of position ourselves to be ready so that when we do find that, uh, that next property, we can, we can get on it and take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. And then speaking of which, right? Like, so it sounds like, you know, Burr, a full Burr is probably a little bit difficult now, right? Given the region. So how comfortable are you with, with leaving some money on the table? Like, what does an average deal look like? Yep. Yeah, we're we're okay with that. Like, in yeah, in the region, like a perfect Burr is kind of been next to impossible. Um, but uh, yeah, essentially, like uh, between the three properties, I think the most that we've left in was uh, 90,000 into a property. Mm-hmm. So we're always getting at least our renovation money out. Yeah. Um, and usually we're getting that renovation money plus some of our down payment. Um, you know, I, I, I believe my, it was my second property. I think I left about 50,000, um, right. you know, on a property that appraised at 680. Right. So yeah. Um, and you know, decent cash flow. it's able to, you know, take care of any, you know, you know, minor issues like it happens, even though like we're renovating the properties top to bottom. Yeah. Um, so we typically like that first property, like geez, in two years, I've probably had about $600 worth of things that I've had oh, to, wow. had to do like, so very, very minor repairs. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, just cause we're renovating a top to bottom, but we still like when we run our numbers, you know, we always put, um, you know, you know, put that percentage into our, into our numbers and just set it aside in case right. you need it. Right. Cap, CapEx, basically capital expenditures, yeah. like roof, big, big ticket items, basically. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then when you're doing these conversions, so are you going to basically, like you said, you, you're looking for properties that you're basically gutting out or is it mainly just lipstick, uh, lipstick renovations? Are you looking for basically that big force appreciation uh, project sounds like? Well, for well we've done both so uh that first one like the main floor um really it was just uh, a light rental you know paint trim you know flooring um like we didn't have to touch a bathroom we did like a we did we did update the kitchen on that but the upstairs renovation was pretty light um and typically with these conversions like you know 80 percent of your your rental budget is all in the basement Um, yeah you know, you're, you're always getting it right down to the studs because you're, you're changing the layout. 
um, yeah, you know, to try and maximize that that space in the basement. Yeah, and, and how how difficult is it uh, working with the city there? Because I know city the city is a little bit different, right? Are are they pretty open to working with investors, or, or is it a little tougher? Yeah, no, that's uh, like I'm from Cambridge, and I haven't done a conversion in Cambridge, and uh, and there's a reason for that. Like <clears throat> I know many people who have done it, um, right? But yeah, I just it, it's just a little more difficult. Like they have, um, you know, like for the basement, like it can only be. Forty uh, percent of the total square footage, you know, like th- that rule, right? Where in Kitchener, they don't have that, so right. I can I I can maximize the entire space in the basement mm-hmm. uh, in Kitchener, and yeah, they're they're looking to create units, so they make the process you know as streamlined as possible. So yeah. like when we're calling for inspections, like you know the contractors calling for the inspection, they're showing up like. The next day or you know two days later um and you know even like little things if they come in and they see a problem and they mm-hmm. they ask to to change something right once it's changed they're back the very next day to just come in have a quick look say yeah you're good to go you can you know you pass you can move on to the next stage where you know some other cities like cambridge for instance i heard is just a little bit slower right yeah again it could be done it's just uh to me, that's just an added stress where in Kitchener, they, they make it pretty, pretty streamlined. Yeah, no, for sure. And and for, for a lot of us who are new or have never done a duplex conversion, it kind of seems like a daunting task, right? To begin with, because you think, oh my goodness, like I'm buying a at a high price, not especially in today's market, but obviously the deal has to be good to make, to make sense of it. So to walk me through, so, so Say you buy a property off the market t- today, right? Let's say it's it's about you know uh, four hundred thousand dollars, right? A single family, and you can convert it. So, what does that step look like? If you don't mind just sharing that, like, what would you do first, second, third? What do you look out for? Walk us yeah. through how you kind of manage the property or get it up and running and convert it. Yep. Yeah. Well, and if you can find one for four hundred thousand now, Ross, <laughs> let me know. I'll I'll buy I'll ten. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah. You you definitely want to know the steps before getting into it. It's not something that uh, you know you want to go into it blindly um, because you want to be able to get in and out fairly quickly. Um, like typically, ninety days is pretty standard to try and to get these conversions done. I know some people have done done it quicker, um, but yeah, because like you want to be able to get in and then refinance and get a tenant as soon as possible. But right. yeah, like there's, you know, it's always best. Like when we're buying it, we're buying, um, we're always checking zoning on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we want to make sure it's zoned R2 or higher, you know, we don't want to have to go and put in an application for a variance to change the zoning. That's a long drawn out process in itself. Super costly. Yeah. And then just little things like uh parking, you know, you want to make sure, like, does it meet the requirements? Are you going to have to change the parking for that? Um, is there a separate side entrance um, or a separate entrance to the basement? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to have to do that? And again, another costly uh, expense. Um, so if you can if you can buy a property that has, you know, this certain criteria, it's just going to reduce those expenses, right? For sure. So yeah, and it uh, you know having the team in place is key as well. So like uh, the contractors that we've used, like they're actually their investors themselves, right. um, and you know they they know the whole process. So you know they're they're really steering the ship. 
um, they know exactly what needs to be done. And we're just kind of managing that and ensuring that everything's kind of following the proper steps to get to completion. Yeah. So, so drawings, for example, getting permits, is that all handled by your contractors or are you involved <clears throat> in those? Uh, I would be involved in those. Um, so yeah, the way our contractors work, like, uh, like I'll, I'll actually go and get the electrician and the plumber as well. They don't have their own electricians and plumbers that they work with, but they take okay. care of everything else. Right, but right. yeah, we'll, yeah, I get, I get the planner and, uh, we meet together. Um, and basically we go through the whole, I was coming up with a plan. Right. Um, so there, yeah, there was a little bur- little bit of work that I do myself. Yeah. Um, but again, it's uh, it's that back and forth with the contractor, just making sure that everybody's on the same page. Yeah. Um, and that the project's moving along properly, right? So, like one one key item, like when we're buying these, um, we try to make the closing uh, sixty days out. Um, then that actually gives us time to go ahead and submit submit the application and right. have the permit ready to go on day one. Um, you know, I know on one of the, on one of my properties, I had a 30 day close, a pretty quick close. Um, right. and it, it was a pretty tight timeline to get that permit. Um, but you know, we were able to do it, but it just, it just gives you a little bit more time to prepare. I love that. That's a, that's a great golden nugget right there. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things you can look for when you are tackling these, whether it's a duplex conversion or whatever it may be, um, especially if you need to get permits, definitely extend it, try to get a, a further closing so that you don't buy it and you sit on it for two months empty, right? If it's an empty property yeah. or whatnot, especially if it's a single family, right? Like you would ideally look for an empty or vacant possession so that you can do the conversions, right? It's a little bit tougher um, when you, when it's, well, if it's owner occupied, you get it. But if it's tenanted, it could be a little tough uh, depending on whether right. you have to assume it or you can come up with some sort of agreement with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, and we've, yeah, we've always bought it, bought it uh, unoccupied just for that reason. Yeah, no, it steers things in the right direction. And for your for your contractors, do you do you, are you generally involved in buying the materials, or you just kind of leave all that to them and they take care of it all? Yeah, they'll take care of all that. So that's kind of how we've how we've set it up. Is yeah, yeah. they'll they'll take care of all the material that's needed. Right. Um, you know, if there's anything that pops up that kind of deviates from the initial quote, mm-hmm. you know, then that's that's when they're contacting me and just uh, you know at least letting me know like. Uh, you know, I, I remember at our last place, uh, once we actually tore up the floor, um, the floor was pretty uneven. Um, right. So, we, you know, we ended up putting on a, a self-leveler um, just to kind of help give a nice flat base there for, uh, for the flooring. Yeah. And it, it, it was just an added expense that we we didn't anticipate. But again, there's that communication with the contractor where, you know, he's given us, given me his opinion. Ultimately, I make the final decision. But you know, we kind of work together there to try and put together the best product possible. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And having a good contract on your side is I think the toughest thing we can, we were all going through, <laughs> especially in a, in a high demand market. Um, it's tough to find those. So when you do find them, you got to hold on to them. Right. But yep. one of the challenges is keeping them busy, right? You may have a project once a year, uh, they may be doing several other ones and you can't blame them as a business. So they have to continuously generate and, and build their clientele. Right. So yeah. do you find that the individuals you deal with, are they, uh, t- you know, uh, working with multiple projects at the same time, or do they kind of dedicate a certain amount of time uh, for you and then move on to next projects since they're not a general, general contractor, right? They're just kind of yeah. the same majority of the stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm not at that point where, you know, I'm busy enough to keep them employed 
year round. I wish I was, um, <laughs> you know, but that, you know, that'd be something that I, I definitely work towards, but yeah, you, we, we've got a pretty good relationship where, you know, anytime that I'm actually, you know, putting in offers on properties, like I'm reaching out to them and just like, Hey, what's your schedule? Like, um, and you know, it kind of helps me with, you know, gauging my closing. Yeah. Um, and you know, them knowing that I'm, you know, putting an offer in on property, they, they start kind of opening up space for me as well. So, yeah. um, yeah, up until now, I've never had them, you know, not say that they, you know, they can't do a project for me. So that's good be, so do you usually take them a walk, uh, as a walkthrough, uh, initially when you do look at these properties, is that kind of what your, one of your, uh, methods? <clears throat> uh, no, typically I, I'll go through with them, you know, once I take possession, they have come through like on a walkthrough. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of walking through and I kind of know what to look for already. Like, um, like a couple of the things, like I mentioned, like the side entrance, essentially it's the ceiling height in the basement. Like, you know, I think for any investor that's doing a conversion, we don't really care about the upstairs. We just, (laughs) first thing we want to do is go to the basement. Yeah. We want to go down and check that ceiling height. And if, if it doesn't meet that criteria, then we could pretty much stop the showing at that point or the walkthrough. And what is the criteria there in Kitchener? <clears throat> so Kitchener, it's uh, it's pretty low. Um, minimum height is uh, six five, um, but uh, around bulkheads, um, at bulkheads you can actually go as low as six one. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's uh, like I'm the perfect uh, yardstick. I'm I'm six one. So <laughs> if I if, if I have to duck underneath any uh, doorways or bulkheads, um, then I know I got to take out my measuring tape and actually confirm right it's like awesome awesome and then given the fact that you've been invested there um, for some time right what does a typical rent look like let's let's break down in terms of what sorts of income you can expect right so let's just say um, a single family you convert more recently what are you getting from the upstairs and downstairs and are you separating also the uh, you know the utilities or is that kind of all in the one bill yeah actually that's a good point we uh we always separate the hydro um for that. So we put in uh, separate panels, mm-hmm. upper unit and lower unit. So the tenants are going to take care of the hydro. Uh, we take care of the, uh, the gas and water. Um, so yeah, to p- rents right now, like our last place that we rented out uh, three bedroom upper unit, uh, 1900 uh, okay. plus hydro right. and the basement units, uh, 1650 plus hydro. Wow. So yeah, we're just, you know, we're 3550 um, on rent there. Yeah, then that's that's a duplex. Wow, you can't even get that for triplexes nowadays. So <laughs> it's depending yes. on which market yeah. you're in. But yeah, so rents have gone up quite a bit, and hence why the prices are going up at the same time, right? So yeah, and it's uh, you know actually just before you know this podcast, I was going back and looking at some numbers for like even the the, the first duplex, right. and like I think rents on that first one were seventeen hundred and fifteen hundred, um, and so yeah, that's 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 two years. Um, that we're you know we're we're at least a couple hundred dollars more on uh, on rent. Yeah, no, the market has gone up. So w- when you do place them, what, what what kind of tenant profile do you look for? Do you generally look for families, or is it more professional working uh, young folks? Like, what does your ideal tenant look like? Yeah, you know what? So far, like in all our duplexes, uh, yeah, small families or like young couples. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. You know, one kid, two kids, um, all our properties got, you know, nice yards. So 
it, it's convenient for them. Right. And, you know, it's a nice, comfortable space, but yeah, I think that's uh, young couples. Um, yeah, we have one retired couple and yeah, kind of like that small family, just kind of starting out, trying to get in, trying to get their feet kind of into that housing market. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. And then it, it, what's next for you now, Mike? So you said you're, you're going to start doing the flipping model, right? So is that something that, or do you have anything on the contract right now? Are you actively looking in the market and, and tell me a little bit more about, you know, that strategy and why you're looking into that as more, you're trying to generate some active income now that you have a lot of passive now. Yeah. I think just the, the duplex conversions are becoming a little tighter here in mm-hmm. Kitchener. So, mm-hmm. you know, two years ago, like you could, you know, you could cash flow, you know, 500 bucks on a property. Right. Um, and now just with, you know, the rents aren't, following the the purchase prices so yes they have gone up but you know not not kind of to that same rate same with the uh the appraisals um yeah because i i keep a pretty tight you know i try and keep tabs on different markets like some of the appraisals and duplexes selling for like like in hamilton for instance um you know i've seen some recently going in you know the mid 800s um right so it's you know they're their ARV seems to be a little higher than what KW is right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know we're kind of sitting in the mid sevens right now, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I know a few people have some conversions on the go right now. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what, what their places get appraised at when they're, when they're completed. Um, but yeah, like we're, we're still looking at it, like, because we're, you know, we obviously want properties that are still going to cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that the cash flow is just going to be a little tighter now, right. but it, you know, it, it's a great market where I'm okay with parking, you know, my money in these properties and just sitting on it. Um, yeah. uh, I, th- I think the, the flip side, like for the flipping aspect, it's really just trying to, you know, take advantage of the market, um, you know, with how, how hot it is. Again, if you can buy right, um, you know, that's the key when it comes to flipping, you have, you have less margin of error uh, when it comes to flipping. For sure. um, but if you can, if you can buy right, then I think flipping right now in this, this market is, uh, can be extremely lucrative. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially when it's a seller's market. Yeah. You can put anything on MLS today and get it sold the next day pretty much. So yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I just, uh, like, like I mentioned earlier, like we're just trying to position ourselves like yeah. with some refis to, to be able to be ready to buy the next property. Um, you know, I I don't want to jump into anything that uh, that that the numbers don't make sense. So yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. Then that's part of the strategy now is just kind of be ready. You know, we're actively looking, um, yeah. but just with with such low inventory in the region right now, it's uh, that in itself is is a challenge. Yeah, no, for sure. And so, is your plan now to continue JVing, or you want to buy and hold and do these projects on your own now? Um, yeah, I'm open to both, right? Like it, um, you know, I'm really trying to, you know, really try and put my story out there on social. Like, you know, it's amazing where, you know, I, I, there's people at every level where, you know, I'm reaching out to people above me, you know, trying for me to take the next step. And then, you know, there's new investors who are reaching out to me saying, Hey, how did you do it? And I love the whole conversion model. Like, do you mind hopping on a call? So, um, yeah, like I, I'm going to keep moving forward and, but yeah, we're open to, to anything, right? Like, uh, you know, 
I, I love the JV model. It's just, a, it's a great way to kind of scale. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of, when I decided to get into the conversions and, you know, some of these people I were following, like that's when I quickly realized that anybody who is super successful in it isn't doing it all on their own. Right. Right. And it might not be uh, just all JV partners. Cause there's many people who, you know, do it all sole ownership, yeah. but you know, they have, you know, a team in place that helps them get to that, that point as well. So, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to go about it. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, for me, we're, we're, we're open, you know, to, to anything and really help people kind of along their journey. And, you know, I'd be more than willing to help somebody get into their kind of their first investment property as well. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm also curious, I, I know one of the, uh, areas in, in, in kitchen, especially in Cambridge on, on uh, Kitchener, uh, that's picking up uh, the market, I should say, is, is Airbnb. Have you ever considered that as an option? Or is that just something you're not interested in? No, for me, not interested in that one. It, it's a little too active for me. Um, yeah. You know, like I've, uh, you know, I work quite a few hours in a week. And, you know, I've got a, you know, I got a job that, uh, you know, is high demand uh, for myself. So, um, you know, I've talked to a few people who are doing Airbnbs uh, in the area. And, yeah, they, they're absolutely killing it. Like it's, uh, <laughs> some of the numbers are ridiculous. Like, uh, and yeah, in, in KW, like Airbnbs are super popular. Right. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just not something that, uh, I don't want to get that active with it. Um, you know, I, I know the whole conversion process, like, uh, you know, for those 90 days while we're doing the conversion, it's, uh, it can be busy. Right. Um, right. But afterwards it's, um, you know, I don't want to say set it and forget it, but, um, you know, I really, it's, it, it doesn't take that much work. Like we're getting, because these places are renovated top to bottom, like right. we're, we're getting very few calls, um, on these properties, which that's, that's kind of what I'm more into. Yeah. So you are self-managing these properties as well, right? No, we, I even go as far as getting property manager. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, any, any numbers that we run again, we yeah. property management, um, and then like you mentioned, uh, CapEx all in there. Perfect. Perfect. No. So, uh, so I love that, uh, you have a model pretty similar to Andrew Cox where he, you know, he just wants to cruise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's you where know, you yeah. put the hard work in the front, you know, make sure everything's up and running and then you just sit on it and, you know, let it do its thing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, uh, I didn't want to create a second job. That's, that's, that's what I didn't want to get into. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're very clear on what you really want. I think one of the toughest part of our journey is we get very excited. We, we we start hopping on, and sometimes we take on more than we can chew, and then it creates a, a stressful life. Right? It has an impact in your in your in your relationships, in your family, and your friends, mental health, physical health, whatever it may be. Because we're always constantly saying we don't have time, we don't have time, we don't have time. Right? So that's right. Yeah. I love that you kind of broke it down to know exactly. You know what? I'm going to do this in this way. And you know what you clearly what your why is and where are you heading towards, right? Well, I I think that's key is to is to really be clear on what you want, right? It's uh, there are so many strategies out there, you know. There you know, there's flipping, there's wholesaling, there's right. you know, Airbnb, like you know that whole shiny object syndrome. Like it's so easy when you know I was just you know chatting with somebody through DM there the other day about Airbnb and KW and like some of the numbers and it's like, 
maybe I should rethink my strategy. Right. And, <laughs> you know, then you just kind of start digging a little deeper, like, you know, what is really involved. And it's like, yeah, no, that's, you know, it, it's not for me. Right. So yeah. I think it's, it's clear to really know what you want. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's key to not compare yourself to others, right? Like it, it's so easy now with uh, social media nowadays to like, you know, everybody's living their best life ever. Right. So, <laughs> you know, and, and it's great to share and I love seeing it. Like, uh, you know, it's super motivating to me when I For see, sure. you know, other people succeed. Like I want to see others succeed. Like, you know, I, you know, I love it. It, it, it pumps me up, but you know, at the same time, like, I know my goals and, you know, where I want to get to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every day I just kind of put in a little bit of work each day just to try and get me closer to that goal. So, yeah, you know, if somebody's out there and in, you know, one year, you know, they buy 50 properties, I love them. Like I, it, it pumps me up and, yeah. but, you know, I just, with, with my goals and my schedule, like, I just know that's not achievable. Yeah. And I'm just going to keep moving towards my goal. So I think it's, it's key to be very clear on what you want. And being realistic, right? That's another thing, right? Just like you said, if you're working a full-time job, you cannot be wholesaling, right? <laughs> you know, right. you're working a nine to five hours of operation or between a nine to five, even for wholesalers, right? They need, they go visit during the daytime. So you have to be very clear and concise on what your goals and expectations are. And in that case, work with someone, right? Like reach out to someone else that's in doing that business, maybe partner up with other ways, but you're absolutely right. You need to be clear on what, what is it that you want and then yeah. leverage that. So with that said, I mean, what is your goal? Like, I mean, what are you trying to achieve on, on your end uh, there, Mike? Like, what, what is, do you have like a certain number you got to hit or is it particularly just going with the flow and, and just creating more passive income for you and your family? Yeah, it, it's more of a passive income thing and it, it was more of just like a net worth goal. Um, right. You know, really just for when, you know, you know, when I do retire, um, I want to just be able to live a comfortable life. Yeah. So, you know, something that, you know, I always think about is, you know, my parents growing up, like, um, you know, we're, we're Portuguese. Um, you know, my parents, you know, came over here, you know, didn't, didn't know the language. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they worked hard. And, yeah. you know, and I see that and they instilled that work at work ethic in me, which I love. Yeah. But when I see like my mom, for instance, now in retirement, like nobody can be more frugal than her. Like she, she lives on a tight budget, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't want my retirement to look like that. Like I want to, you know. I'm not saying that, you know, I want to be, you know, out of the country, have like on a beach for six months. So that'd be great. Hopefully I can do that. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I just want to be able to, you know, have fun and live a comfortable life and actually, you know, do things that I like. Um, so to me, that's, that's where this is all, you know, taken me towards is that, you know, when I do retire and I'm, you know, going to live that life, you know, I can kind of live it on my terms and be, you know, comfortable with what I'm doing. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and that's a great goal. Um, and at the same time, you're creating generational wealth. I mean, especially if you're going to hold on to those properties, you can pass on to your kids one day, right? I'm sure they're going to be pretty happy, right? Because of the way the market is shifting, who knows what they're going to be facing when they're ready to buy a property, right? So it's actually pretty phenomenal. And that's what I love about real estate, because it's 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 not a, you know, get rich 
quick scheme. It's a good for sure <laughs> scheme. Yeah. As long as you hold on to something in long-term, especially in real estate, you are going to make the money, right? One of the challenges we're facing here, I'm, I'm located here in Toronto and I'm seeing this in the market is, is that investors are really panicking, right? There's so much things mm -hmm. and gossips and news going around about, uh, you know, uh, vacant taxes poten potentially uh, being implemented right, in 2022. Yeah. Uh, and then, so again, it's just nothing is materialized until it's actually materialized. No, right. Nobody knows. We don't have a crystal ball here to predict these things. Point I'm trying to make is, is you always, you always make your wins long-term. So if there is something that's coming your way, you know, whether the storm is temporarily, it's going to go back up with that said, you know, it's always also a good idea to also know when to pull the plug, like you, you were saying. So if something is appreciated really, really well, maybe it's a good time to get rid of that now, put in the market and then deploy that money and buy two other properties somewhere else. Right. So it's all about the strategy. Right. As well. What are some sure. you know three books that you can recommend for uh, people to check out or read? First one I read that was it gave some really good fundamentals to the Canadian market was uh, the one by Don Campbell, Real Estate Investing for Canadians, I believe okay. it is. Yeah. Um, and it, it's specific to the Canadian market. Um, just kind of gives you that really good fundamental base of like Canadian real estate investing. Right. Um, and then after that, uh, I love the Slight Edge. Uh, I've read that twice actually. Um, Amazing. I love it too. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's always in the back of my head, like, you know, on days where, you know, maybe I'm kind of just, you know, a little down, not really into it. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm always telling, I'm always telling myself like, you know, come on, just move that, move the needle just forward a little bit, right? Like just a little bit every day. Um, and then um, the other one that I actually, I just finished right now and was super interesting uh, is called Who Not How. Um, so it, it, it's a really good perspective on, you know, asking the question of who can help you or yeah, who can, who can help you do what you're looking to do instead of how can I do what I need to do? So, That's you know, it's really about like trying to bring other people into your, you know, network and outsourcing. That's awesome. No, that, that's fantastic. Um, and I know we touched upon this a little bit earlier. I know we can't travel right now, but if you could travel anywhere in the world, where would it be? Aruba. I love Aruba. It's, uh, I've only, I've only ever been there once. Um, but yeah, like I, I fell in love with it. It, uh, I've actually considered buying property there. Um, you know, I don't know if I'd ever get to that, but, uh, you know, I'm always looking at, uh, you know, what, what, what condos are going for there, but mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm a beach sand guy. Um, <laughs> you know, love the hot water or the hot weather. Um, yeah. but yeah, if, uh, if they opened everything up and I could get on a plane and fly tomorrow, I'd be a Ruben. Never been, but definitely want to check that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. You got it. You got to do it. It's well worth it. That's awesome, Mike. And then, yeah, any last uh, uh, piece of wisdom for folks? I mean, if there was any, if there was one advice you can give somebody who's looking out to start out or scale their portfolio or get started, what would that be? Uh, I'd say pick up the phone. Then, like, I think what I mean by that is just, you know, especially now where, you know, there's no networking events, mm -hmm. you know, start reaching out to people, it, um, asking questions. Um, and really start building that fundamental base like of knowledge so that you you can build that knowledge base and be confident to take that step and actually buy that property. Um, yes, yes. You know, and on that, on that note, like for me, take action is a big one. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Actually speak louder than words any day. So I totally agree with you that. Um, and for folks that want to connect with you, Mike, what's the best way to connect with you and reach out to you? Uh, probably Instagram, uh, Instagram and Facebook. So Instagram, it's uh, at Mike underscore Paquette. Again, thank you for uh, reaching out. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you can do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a few properties away. Thank you.